Hey guys, it's Jackie, founder of All Mama Care and Mama to a Super Kid. When my son was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia at 21 months old, not only did I feel my world was ending, but I was alone and scared. I made it my job to get my hands on every resource possible to become educated about his diagnosis. And I didn't know how I was gonna do it, but I was determined to become empowered and do everything possible to help my baby and my family thrive. Along the way, I've had the pleasure of connecting with some wonderful organizations and meeting some of the most caring and authentic people. This podcast is dedicated to supporting parents and families while their child is going through cancer treatment and beyond. I share with you all the resources that have played a major factor during this time in my family's life, and I'm so glad you're here with me. And now, let's get this episode started. Hey everyone, welcome to episode one of All Mama Care. My name is Jackie. Seems a little sexist since I'm also here, but that's fine. (laughs) This is my debut episode. My husband is here as well, Ryan. And this part of the data care. Part of the data care. So not just Mama Care, but also Data Care. And this podcast is a result of our son's diagnosis with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Also known as ALL. ALL. He was diagnosed this past February when he was 21 months old. And now we're about seven months into treatment. Shouldn't we say which type he has? I mean, let's tell everyone that he has B cell, which is oh, that's a good point. the most common, the most treatable, as at least we were told that. And the prognosis when we were given the prognosis by the doctor was 90 to 95%. So I think that's kind of important. That's very important. There's B cell and there's also T cell. -cell. There's also other, there's other types. There's a Philadelphia chromosome that can affect you. Um, and there's a couple other rare forms of leukemia for children. Um, so the purpose of this podcast is to let you know our story and some resources that have helped us along the way. Um, his treatment's going to be about three to three and a half years. So we still have a long way to go, but we are making great strides and great progress. So every child is unique and so their treatment story is unique. So this podcast won't focus so much on our son, but more about the resources that have helped us along the way. But we will talk about Ollie too. Because we think that's important. It's important for parents to know that you're definitely not alone. I know I definitely felt alone when Ollie got diagnosed. and I Even was, though I was right there. I was looking. You'll notice that we try to make light. We try to laugh when we can. It is serious, but we know that we need to laugh along the way. And we know that that's going to help our marriage. So... <clears throat> Our focus and our passion of starting this podcast is for it to be a dedicated space to help share resources, and this is a space that I know that I wish I had when Ollie got diagnosed. Right, and we're not doctors, so we don't have like a miracle cure or anything to really show. I mean, we know some of the medical jargon now, but we don't know all of it. And this is just things that have worked really well for us, so we want to share them with you and your families. So our hope through this episode is that we can introduce ourselves and kind of set the roadmap for future podcasts. So we're going through this in real time. 
Um, our family is walking through this, and we want you to know that we are cheering you and your child along the way as well. Yeah, like we're definitely not done. Right now we're in like a holding pattern, actually. Like we're at what's the phase is called delayed intensification. And we had a holding pattern at the end because uh, Oliver's counts were too low um, to start treatment. They needed to be 750 for ANC, which means all neutrophil count. And um, he was out only at 680, but he had jumped in four days, which was pretty amazing. So he had 200 ANC the Thursday before, before this was like four days. And then it jumped up to 680, which was pretty amazing. And all of his other counts were pretty stable too. So he should be starting treatment this week. I'm assuming they're going to be much higher than they were last week. Um, but he's entering the second to last phase of treatment. And it's called intermaintenance two. Um, we already went through interim maintenance one, and then we'll head into maintenance after that. Interim maintenance is about eight weeks, at least at the level we're at, because Oliver has low to standard risk um, leukemia. There's also two higher ones. There's there's high risk and then very high risk. Um, so we've been really lucky, I think, that he's met most of the benchmarks for each stage. Um, and, and he just hasn't struggled as yeah, much. Yeah, and it's, like I said, it's different for every child. And, you know, everything that Ryan just talked about may be overwhelming to you at first, but it was overwhelming to us at right. first. Right, and, like, obviously, like, as we go along, we'll explain all those things. But I want to let people know where he was now so that, you know, we can tell them we're not done. We're, we're actually done. still in the thick of this. Um, and, you know, I think as we go along, we'll break down each stage and what it was like for us. Um, two stages were especially hard. Yeah. So because this is the first podcast, again, we just want to introduce ourselves and let you know that in this whole scheme of treatment, we were just as lost as you in the beginning. We had no idea how it was going to go. We had no idea how tomorrow was going to go. But now we have some sense of plans and know how to move forward, and we want to share this knowledge with you. So to set your expectations, I am by no means a expert podcaster, and to be honest, most of the time, we're going to be recording in our bedroom during nap time. That's what we're doing right now. We're hoping nap time continues for another half an hour. Yeah, he's only been down for an hour and a half, so. So we'll learn together how to do this podcast thing, and we hope that you'll be patient with us as we try our best to provide the most information to you at this time. Well, I also think it's good that we're real people who've gone through this. I think, you know, some people, they'll write a book or they'll, they'll share stories of people they know, but we're people who are actually going through it. And because of Ollie's age... Um, He's two now. He's Yeah, he's like two, almost two and a half. Mm -hmm. I mean, he can't explain what's been going on, but we can, you know. Yeah. And again, my drive is I want to do this podcast because when Ollie was diagnosed, I knew no other toddlers that were in our area. We live in central Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, a lot of the families that I knew had kids that were diagnosed when they were five, six, seven, eight, so elementary school age. So I really felt alone. I don't know about you, Ray. I mean, I didn't feel alone because I had you and our family and everything. I just felt like 
there's a lack of resources for people going through this. And there's like thousands of people that go through this. I mean, just the fact that, you know, when we're in the hospital, we see all these other kids going through the same treatments. And you have to wonder like how no one has really shared this experience before, because it's, it's devastating when you get the diagnosis. It's devastating because you don't expect it. And for we me, I didn't, for me, I didn't feel he was anemic. Yeah. I, I thought he was anemic. That's what I thought it was. I mean, I know when the doctor came in uh, to give us three options, I know they have to kind of do that um, to make you feel better, but I had a feeling it was something serious because of the fact that he had to have a blood transfusion and we were there for a couple of days and they were doing all these tests. And that's when I started to think it's probably not... It's more severe than we initially thought. It's probably not anemia, so... That's that's just my general take on the beginning. I never really felt alone, though. I, as a mom, I definitely felt alone. I felt like there weren't any resources. I am a type A person. I like to have a checklist. And right, I am no, not a type A person. There is no checklist with pediatric chemotherapy. Now, Ryan, on the other hand, you're more take it as it comes. Well, you have to be. I find that you have to be. At least for me, I'm not. I'm not type A. I don't need a checklist. I just need to know that there's a there's a plan. The protocol. And there's there's professional people who who went to medical school and study, you know, about all this stuff, and they're ready to impart that knowledge to you and to treat your child. I feel like that to me. I had to trust in that. So we grew together, and Ryan definitely helped me to kind of let go of that control because I can remember the first month and we'll, we'll talk about this in another episode, but that first month I remember looking at Ryan and, and telling him I have no control. And he looked at me and what did you say? I said, we never really have control. We just like to assume that we do. So you just have to kind of roll with it and just expect that things can turn out okay in the end. And you said, there is no control. Our son is going through Right. There's no control. You just have to, you just have to go with it. Yeah. And hope, and hope that that people know what they're doing. And trust the doctors. But also question when, you know, we've, we had a Google drive. We had all these questions in the beginning. We still have questions every time we go in. Mm -hmm. I'm not, it's not that I just leave it to them and I say like, do whatever you want. I have questions about things that go on. I have questions about why they're doing it. I ask them all the time, like, what does this do? Mm -hmm. Um, How will this affect him later in life? All those sorts of things. Long-term effects. Right. But at the same time, I trust that they know what they're doing. And if they explain it to me and break it down for me, Mm because I'm not a doctor, but if they break it down for me and I understand it, I feel more comforted by that. Right. When you're going through this treatment, I almost feel like I'm in med school, especially in the beginning. I was reading up on anything I could get my hands on, whether it be clinical studies or um, any books on Amazon. And then it kind of came to a point where Ryan looked at me and just said, stop, we need to eat ice cream, dance in the kitchen when Ollie is eating at 3 a.m. and right. watch Game of Thrones. Uh, well, <laughs> well, How yeah, many but, seasons do we watch? We, we blew through that whole show. We, we binged a lot of shows. We f- started with Victoria, the PBS show, which is great, by the way. Um, and then, then we were on to Game of Thrones because mm-hmm. we had heard that that was good. So we watched all of Game of Thrones to catch up to 
How um, many seasons was that? I think there's eight. We watched all eight seasons within yeah, like so that within a month. Us, I mean, that helped us through the first month. Well, induction. because yeah, but we'll get there later. But but the the reality is, is those first two weeks that we spent in the hospital, and we were lucky, by the way, because we've met people who've been in there for like six months or longer. We were in there for thirteen days. Yeah, we were in there for like two weeks, so we we were really blessed with that as well. But those first two weeks are really intense. You know, I had to. I had to organize stuff with my work and I'm a teacher. So luckily I was able to use uh, my accumulated sick time to stay home. Um, and I was able to get paid for most of that time off. You took FMLA, uh, yeah, Family FMLA Medical leave. leave Act. Yeah, but not every person can do that and get paid for the whole time. I mean, I think you legally have the right to take the amount of time off that I did, but I don't think you get your pay. So I was very blessed to have that accumulated sick time and to work in the field that I work in. Um, but those first two weeks were the most intense. You know, you're organizing things, for me at least, for the sub for that first week. And, you know, you, you don't want to be thinking about that stuff, but you know you have to. Um, and then you got everyone asking you, can we do this and can we do that? And it's great that everybody wants to help, but you kind of feel overwhelmed. Um, and for me, I also have celiac disease, so I'm gluten-free, which means, like, I'm living in a hospital and let's not get started on hospital food because I don't even want to go there. I mean, I appreciate all the people that bring it to you and they, they really are really nice people, but like there's no options. And you would think at a hospital they would have more options <laughs> yeah, for people we're laughing who have about this an now. allergy. But you would think they'd have more options for people with an allergy because it's a hospital and they're like, oh, you know, we know about allergies, but no. Um, and, you know, I'm sitting there wanting to eat something. So instead I go to the fridge where they have free pudding and I'm eating vanilla pudding for like breakfast, lunch, and dinner those first couple and days. And Cheerios. Cheerios. They did have Cheerios, so I could eat that. But it's very it's very rare to find <laughs> celiac-friendly food at a hospital. So that was another worry that I was worried about. Um, and, and it's it's funny, too, because at the time you think, like, oh, I shouldn't even worry about this. It's such a small thing. But, like, you also have to live your life at the same time everything's going on. Like, you don't want to starve yourself. You don't want to just sit there and stare at the wall. Like, you have to be a person still. And I think that was one of the hardest things to deal with. Yeah, that was definitely hard for me. I did not want to leave Ollie's side the first. I don't think you did. I I let. We went, I was the one that came home. We so. went. Oh, Ryan. I Ryan went home, but I stayed with Ollie. But you did get me to go out to the cafeteria, and I just broke down. Yeah. I stood in line. I just broke down, and I just had an out of body experience. How am I not with my child right now? So right back up, we marched yeah. up, the, up the elevator. And then and I went down and got the food. Yeah, it was too much. I mean, for me, I, I didn't mind getting out a little bit because that's how I decompress. I need to get out, listen to some music on the car rides home. We only live 15 minutes from the hospital, so I would come home and take a shower here and, and pack more clothes for ourselves, grab some of my food. Um, but yeah, I mean, after the first couple of days, it was like, okay, we'll, we'll make this work. And like, luckily, my sister... God bless her soul, went out and bought like a big camping air mattress for me. Oh, that's Because I had been sleeping on the floor on, on towels and blankets. So You know, we may even want to do a podcast about all the tips and tricks of hospital stays. Well, I mean, that's a really big one. Like if you, and now don't get me wrong, most of the rooms are small in the hospital. I understand. But, you know, we were blessed to get one of the bigger ro single rooms that they had just redone at our hospital. 
and it was big enough for an air mattress. So my sister was like, hey, let me run out and grab an air mattress for you. And she got me one with like a pump built into it. It was big and really sturdy. Yeah. I mean, it's more expensive air mattress, but I've used it so many times now because of going back and forth to the hospital, not just at the beginning, but now since we've been going through right. it. Right. So it was a great investment and it was so much better than me sleeping on the floor. And again, it was because I was- Or in a I chair, was, in right, a chair. Right. So, I mean, I was blessed again to have that time off. And we've met so many families that don't have that option, that don't have the availability for both parents to be there. Um, we were just very lucky that I could be, but you know, well, if you it, want to stay there, it's nice to have that. Even if, even if you have a, you know, cause the immune system compromised. So they always try to give kids with, um, compromised immune systems, a single room anyway. So they're not around other kids who are sick. Um, so they, they would have given us a single room, but even if you, you have that sofa bed, um, an air mattress is still way more comfortable than the sofa bed. So if it's just you staying in the room, I suggest an air mattress, honestly. It's just so, you sleep so much better. Right. And that's another thing, to sleep in a hospital. And at the time of Ollie's diagnosis, I was a long-term sub at a school. And um, then in there, when Ollie got diagnosed, I gave my notice. And um, Well, it wasn't that harsh. It wasn't that harsh. <laughs> it, well, it was a long-term supposition. It wasn't so. like I quit. Like right so now. they understood and um, But also it was February vacation. It was February we also vacation. just we also just happened to enter at February vacation and this was at right at the beginning where he got diagnosed, so it did give them time to fill a position. Like we made a decision right away about what we were gonna do once we got the diagnosis. because um, as a long term sub I didn't have any benefits or uh or even FMLA, regular pay. Yeah, regu- yeah regular pay for vacation. Anything. So so that's kind of how everything evolved in the beginning. Um, so we really hope that uh, through this first episode, you kind of get a little sense of who we are and um, our story in the beginning with Ollie. Um, this episode is definitely one where we want to be open and honest about everything, and we want to hear from you. Um Again, we can't answer everything. We can't answer everything, and there's some things that we probably won't share. Um, well, also, like if if you know if a child has a rare form, we don't know about that. We don't. We're not doctors. We're parents. Right. So we wouldn't be able to answer every question. I mean, we can answer questions about like behaviors and um, things like that, but I, I don't know if we can answer anything medically. Obviously, and we'll probably say this, that you should always, always, always talk with your oncologist, hematologist team. Oh, yeah. Jackie calls them all the time. Any question. It's and like Jackie's speed dial. Like They one. are on my speed dial. Yeah. And um, basically, we want to empower you to always ask questions and don't feel like your team is brushing you off. If you feel that way, ask more questions. You know, not in a mean way, but be you're an advocate for your child. Um, like we said, Ollie is two right now, and he doesn't have a voice. He he has a voice, but he's not able to ask questions. He's Where not, is voice? Where essentially, voice. yeah. Yeah. So we want to empower you to ask questions, to reach out to us, and you can reach out to us at allmamacare at gmail.com. It's a dot l dot l. Mama, M-A-M-M-A, care, C-A-R-E, at gmail.com. That's where you can reach us. Another thing about questions, too, really quick. If you have questions for your doctor, 
or if you have questions for your medical team and they're not answering them for you and they're kind of giving you a brush off and you feel like you're not being valued, I suggest going to another hospital where you will because we are so lucky that we're at a hospital where the doctors are so human and so caring and, and the medical staff, the and nurses. We have, well, and, we have a team of four oncologists. Right, but we also just have so many great nurses, at, not only the hospital, but at the clinic that we go to. We have so many great nurses there who help us out. And we have so many like other help helping staff. Um, like the um, We have so many different resources that are here in Central Mass to help us, both financially, emotionally. Right, like our social worker has been so social great at the hospital. Social worker at the hospital. Um, We'll get into some of the other uh, resources. That right, but I'm just saying, like, if here. you're not if you're not feeling like you're being catered to, don't forget, like, we pay a lot for insurance in this country, and you should demand the best care. Mm-hmm. If you have health insurance and your child's going through this and they're not taking care of you the way they need to, demand that they do or go somewhere else. There are there are other places, there are other hospitals, there are other teams that you can work with. And to that point, we live in Massachusetts. Well, so we're we, surrounded by great hospitals. I don't know. We if that's have the way. pretty good health insurance, but we also got approved for yeah, Mass Mass Health. Mass Health has which been was a double insurance, right? So we've been been helped that way as well. And again, that was through the hospital. Someone had reached out to us, so um, definitely, like Ryan said, ask questions. Ask questions again. Ask them to another team member. There have been questions where we've asked one oncologist and then the next visit we get the counter uh, answer, uh, specifically with vitamins, multivitamins. We wanted to double and triple check before we gave it to our son that it was okay. Um, So continuously ask questions, educate yourself, be an advocate for your child. Right. And in that way, I almost feel like I have some more sense of control because it's going through treatment. There is no control. Everything's dependent on blood counts. So the more that we can do and we can, I don't know, we can just be there, just be there and, and think of so many, you know, different ways and services that we can help you, our audience. Right. And this is hard on parents. This isn't easy. It's not, it's not a solvable thing instantly. Like that's what we're used to in today's world. We expect a solution quite quickly. And this is not something where you're going to get that. And I, I'm assuming it would take a toll on couples who, you know, are already going through trouble and then this happens. So you want to make sure that you do this together um, if you can. And if you don't have someone, reach out to family, reach out to friends because you will, it's very demanding. Well, I will say in the beginning, I just didn't want to talk to anybody. Yeah, but everyone was helping us. Even though you didn't want to talk to anyone, like our families were helping us a ton. Our friends were coming and bringing us food and care baskets. and, And Jackie didn't even talk to them. They would literally bring them, and I would go out and get the food baskets oh, in the I waiting room. Talk. I um, talk. And I would go talk to them one. in the other waiting room. But I mean, those people were there for us, and you're you're going to need other people to be there with you. You you're need, going a, to need a help. tribe, right? And and that was one thing that you know, just to kind of end this. But that was one thing I told Ryan that you know I'm a pretty private person, but when it comes to something like this, this is not private. This is public. People need to know. People need to be aware. And to be but the honest, other thing too is like not everyone's like that. 
Not everyone. You don't have that. to share your journey. You I don't mean, have to at all. Like if it, it helped were, me. If it were me, I don't know if I would have done all the sharing. I mean, you opened me up to that sharing everything with people and letting them know everything. But if it were just me as like a single parent and I was going through this, I don't know if I would be as public. Some people need to be private to make it work, and that's fine too. And that is totally fine. Right, but, but I, I think public helps us in the end. It helped us because it kind of shared the burden right and letting other people know what you're going through helps them understand what you're going through so they don't constantly ask you questions i think the worst question is when people say let me know if i can do anything to be honest give us food give us gift cards go run the dry cleaning like my dad go run the dry cleaning to the dry cleaners right i mean let us know if we can do anything just just do something you don't have to you don't have to ask that question. That's why I always tell people, like, if you want to do something, feel free. Like, I've had people who have given us money, and I'm like, we don't really need this right now. And they're like, no, put it towards something for Ollie. And, and that's just, like, it means a lot to me. But I do feel guilty sometimes taking s- gifts yeah. and stuff like that. But I do appreciate, especially at the beginning, I really appreciate people bringing us meals and stuff like that. We just stocked the that freezer the with meals because... I mean, that was amazing. Those That first month was so The Food tough. was the last thing that we wanted to... It's right. just like having a newborn. Food was the last thing that we wanted to even plan or talk about. Right, but so you don't even have the energy to do that at the beginning. It's just, it's you're so exhausted. And especially after being in the hospital for two weeks, because when you're in the hospital for two weeks, you never sleep. Like, as much as you Con- love... The- nurses are constantly coming in Right, they constantly vitals. come in and Thank check goodness vitals. They I are. mean, they, it's great that they do that, but you're just not going to sleep. They're going to be in at... Midnight, you go to bed at like maybe you know Ollie would go down at what like nine nine thirty because he'd be, be up late at there one, and, then, and then four. No, they'd be in at midnight and then they'd be in at four and then they come back at six to administer a, a drug or to take a lab, and so you're up again at six and then because they didn't have the best blinds, Ollie would be up and then we were up and it was just like these really long days, um, and you just you don't sleep well and it kind of wears you down. You know, and then when you come home, you try to oh, get back on a schedule. Whole and that's, that's a whole other thing. So, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Right. Kind of what we expected when we were coming home, and then what actually happened. Right. So, we are gonna start to wrap up this episode, yeah. and we appreciate your time and listening to this, and we look forward to hearing from you, and we hope that what we talk about on this episode and future episodes um will help you or someone that you know that's has a child that's going through chemotherapy right now yeah thanks again for taking the time to listen to this episode i hope you got a lot of value from it if something from this stuck with you i would love to hear from you Feel free to message me on Instagram or on Facebook and tell me your thoughts. Join the private All Mama Care Facebook group to connect with me directly and other listeners across the globe. Hop on over to my website, allmommycare.com. All, A-L-L, no periods, mama, M-A-M-M-A, care, C-A-R-E.com. There, you'll be able to check out some amazing resources to help your child and your family. Wherever you're listening to this, take a screenshot, tag me and a couple friends. You never know, it might be exactly what someone needs to hear today. The light within me honors the light within you.